Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now here's your host, Robin Quinn Keen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Liberated Life. Today, I'm really excited to have the rebel therapist here. That sounds exciting. Annie Schusler is with me, and she's a business coach and the host of a podcast by that very name, Rebel Therapist Podcast. So she helps therapists and healers and coaches make an impact beyond a traditional private practice. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with you, Annie, and finding out about where you came from, what you do, how you got there. And I know we have some shared values. So I'd love to talk to you about liberation and uh, burnout and those kinds of things. So welcome. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm really excited to dive in with you. Wonderful. So Annie, tell me a little bit about your background and how you became the rebel therapist. I'd love to hear your story. Absolutely. So I don't even think of myself as the rebel therapist as much as I'm describing my clients, although I'm absolutely in that group as well. So I was a therapist in private practice for 20 years. And during that time, there were things I loved about being a therapist. There were things that were absolutely meaningful and amazing. So many moments that I really treasure. So many people who I loved that I got to work with. And along the way, I realized that this wasn't the work that I was meant to do for the rest of my life. And I could tell because some of the people who were my colleagues, when I heard them talking about their work, I could see that this was the only work that they were meant to do. Their love for it, their passion for it, and just the way that it completely fulfilled them. And I I had some shame that actually that wasn't the case for me, that I was wanting something else. There are other parts of me that I wanted to get to express and make use of. And one of those things that I really have always loved and have always really been obsessed with is business. So I started out about 10 years into private practice. I started coaching other therapists on their businesses. And it kind of started organically where I was just talking to my colleagues and I was helping them with building their practices. And then from there, I had a moment where I realized that I wanted to go all in on business coaching. Mm. And that was a scary moment because my therapy practice was going so well. And I had done so many things to invest in it. My wife had really invested in it as well. You know, we have two kids and I have been the main breadwinner throughout most of their lives. And so for me to say, you know, I feel like I want to be doing this other thing instead. It felt really kind of like a selfish thing to do when everything was going so well, when my practice was so full and I was kind of living the dream that I thought I had and the dream that so many people have Mm -hmm. in private practice. And I also had to admit to myself that I wanted to be doing something else. And so that was a big conversation with my wife to say, you know, this 
I'm going to head for burnout in this direction. If I keep on doing this at this level, if I keep on running my private practice at this level, I'm going to head for burnout and I want to do something different. So it was actually scary to bring that up. And I'm really lucky that it went really well. And she was absolutely supportive and said, yeah, you, if, if you can build a private practice this successful, you can do that too. Like, let's, let's do what we need to do for you to be happy. So that was, that was really lucky, Robin. <laughs> that was her reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you would hope that anyone that you're in partnership with would mm-hmm. be willing to take a stand for your happiness. But I understand that's not always the way it goes. And there are things that get set into place that seem permanent And it's kind of shocking and destabilizing when we say, I want to take a risk and depending on your partner too, right? Mm. Um, You know, some, I think we all have a level of uh, acceptable risk. And for some people, they're very risk adverse, right? They just don't want anything to destabilize. I'm way more risk taker than my husband. I, you know, he, yeah, people just hold their breath sometimes around me because they're like, really, you're going to do that? I'm like, yeah. I am, but yes, it's important too. I think Annie, right, for you to have lived uh, in a practice that you were not enjoying. Where's where's the freedom? Where's the truth in that? Mm-hmm. Right, like that. There's not probably. I mean, you probably could have sustained it, but you stepped out of it. So that's really that's really amazing and wonderful. And actually, as we're talking, I just got off a call with a couple of friends and colleagues and we were all talking about pivoting, you know, this Mm -hmm. last year, it felt like everyone was in some kind of pivot one way or another, whether it was moms pivoting to homeschooling their kids or people working in offices, pivoting to working from home or entrepreneurs. I'm in the entrepreneurial world. So many entrepreneurs pivoting from live events and in-person stuff to all of it online. So it's not like it's a weird conversation because Mm -hmm. I think we've been asked to consider how flexible we are capable of becoming. Absolutely. Yes. And in 2020, this was a conversation happening on so many levels for so many people. You're right. Yeah. And I'm so glad too that even though there's so many things I'm not glad about from 2020, I'm so glad that a lot of people came into the online world who weren't there before. And I really see the quality of what the online world is becoming. It's really raising that quality Mm -hmm. because people who had avoided the online world, maybe because they thought it was a trashy place. Well, now they're here and they're creating magic too. So I love that. Right. Very true. So Annie, what's your life like now and where do your values fit in? Like as you created this new mm-hmm. way of being and mm-hmm. new, new thing that you're doing, what, what was kind of the driver and how did you create that around what's important to you? Yeah. One thing I've noticed that I think this happens to all of us. One thing I've noticed is that we can inadvertently put things into our businesses that we're trying to get away from. So I absolutely made some mistakes in creating my business coaching business where I was working more hours than I wanted to work. I was at times serving more people 
then was really ideal. And so this has been a step-by-step process of looking at, wait, what am I recreating here? And then really choosing. And so one of those values that I, that I've been bringing in more and more and more is simplicity mm. of looking at what is my core offer and how can that be absolutely the best it can possibly be mm-hmm. and have a world-class core offer and really lean into that, lean into the quality of one thing and build my business around simplicity rather than, you know, I used to have, I have a a business model worksheet that I use and that I have all my clients use. And I used to think of it as when I want to create more income, what's another offer I could add. Mm. And now it's quite the opposite. It's like, if I want to create more income, I look at what are my prices? Do those need to go up? And, you know, how many more people would I like to serve in my core offer. So it's really looking at bringing in simplicity wherever I can, rather than making things more complicated. So that's really one of the values that I've discovered and has really set me free in my business. So now I only work 20 hours a week. And if it's a really hectic week, maybe 25 hours, but I have a constraint around that, that I don't want to compromise on. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't love my work. Like I could probably enjoy working 40 hours a week, but I want a really balanced life and I want to create as much value as I can in a short period of time. So I I really use that as a constraint to help me be more creative and and to have my offers be valuable instead of just kind of adding more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think simplicity is not something most entrepreneurs are up to. We might Mm -hmm. crave it and Mm -hmm. it might be, you know, a goal, but uh, like I said, I just got off with a couple of colleagues in in a conversation. We have like a a accountability meetup every two weeks where we just kind of check in and say what's going on. And what we all were talking about today was the complexity of being an online entrepreneur with, you know, you try something and it, and it, and it doesn't get traction. And so then you, instead of refining it, then you just make up something new and try Mm -hmm. that. And if it doesn't get traction, you're making up something new again. And I'm guilty of that for sure. Um, You know, I, you may or may not know, I had a music and dance studio here, which was highly successful. I mean, we worked very, very hard. It was not just like a surprise. It was a big endeavor and we just did it very well. But for all those years, we didn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And we learned when we tried to bring in something brand new, you know, no, it's probably better to stick with these things. These five mm-hmm. things are working. We don't need to create something new. So I learned it there, but in an online environment that's very busy and full of lots of people and lots of stuff, there's this drive to continue to recreate right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I very much value simplicity. Like, could I just do one thing and do it super, super well? So I love what you're saying. And I also appreciate and believe very much in it's your business. It's your life. It needs to work for you, not necessarily other people. So even when I was teaching big groups of piano, it would be like, no, these are my hours. I'm sorry. I don't teach that day. 
So yeah. you can fit into my world, but I'm not going to do somersaults to fit into yours. So this is my world. This is the container. You all can't see me, but I'm making a container yes. with my arms. This is where it happens. And it doesn't happen outside of here because once I open that up as a possibility, you know, I'm going to add another five hours to my week or whatever. So I loved mm -hmm. what you said about, you know, when you have to, you can expand, but this is what you've created. And this is what's required to stay in that creation. Right. Yeah. And I love that. Like if, if somebody doesn't fit into that schedule and they, they want to get lessons from you at a different time, it is so tempting to say like, oh, but I could, and I love this work. And I'm so grateful that this person wants to work with me. I could, but then we, that's what starts heading us for burnout is when we make those little compromises with ourselves. It's not about them, but about us yeah. making a compromise with ourselves. And when we do protect the hours that we work best and protect our energy, what I find for me is that I'm so much more present. My work is so much better and I can be completely in it with people because I've taken care of myself and I've, I've set up those constraints. Yeah. Even if it's hard to do, I've set those constraints up in a way that really works for me. Well, I had a business coach years ago when we opened, we went from a small studio to a, a ridiculously big studio in the space of a few weeks. It was kind mm. of crazy. But he said to me, Robin, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. And I think of that all the time because, yeah, I can do a lot of stuff, but what am I agreeing to that I, I don't really need to? Like, just because I can doesn't mean I should. And if I am I now I even doing, like you said, teaching lessons on a day when I don't teach or uh, whatever, what, what am I sacrificing to do that? And why, why would I sacrifice mm. it? Is it time with my kids? Is it time with my grandson? Is it my personal time to do something else? And then that, so you mentioned burnout. And I think along with burnout, there's also a level of being out of integrity with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't, now I am like, why? And then there's that for me, it's like, oh my gosh, why did you do this again? Like there's shame and judgment. So yeah. the, the idea of just setting boundaries and keeping them be, because you did it in a sane way, like you were being sane, you were being kind, you were being reasonable when you set the boundaries, yeah. trust yourself to keep the boundaries, right? Yes. Yes. Like we set them for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said too, about it's, it's going to be different for every person that what those constraints are, what those boundaries need to be to protect our energy is going to be different for each of us. Mm -hmm. And I can't base my constraints on what I see someone else doing. Right. A lot of my clients, I see them judging themselves based on what seems to be working for other people. Yeah. And we've got to know ourselves. We've got to know what, you know, what's going on when we're really in our zone of genius mm. and set that up to make it possible. So for me, that's going to include, like I'm an introvert. And so I love having conversations like this one. And I don't love having my whole week full of like group conversations, let's say. So I have to protect my energy and use my, 
use my energy in a way that's really going to work for me and then protect it from things that aren't going to work for me. Whereas for someone else, it might be the opposite. They may really thrive on like, get me in as many group conversations as possible. Right. Right. And I think that's something that's very present is we always, I look Mm -hmm. at other people and I say, well, should I be like that? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she's doing that or he's doing that. Maybe I should be doing that. And if I'm not doing that, why am I not doing that? So I'm very careful around comparisons with myself yeah. and with my clients too, right? Let's sure you can notice, but that, that has nothing to do with you and what works for you. Uh, so it's very interesting. And then I, you know, it, I'm just, what just popped into my head too is yeah, we think other people are looking at our choices and making judgments. And I used to tell my kids all the time when they were growing up, yeah, actually, they're, you know, when they were like in junior high and high school, and they'd be like, I don't know what they're going to think. And I was like, actually, they're not thinking about you. Like, they're not, they're not discussing you. They're not thinking about it. They don't care. They noticed it in the moment, like what you wore to school or what you said. But I think it's the same mechanic that goes on as we look around our environment and see what other people are doing. And we think, what will they think of us? Or what if I don't show up like that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm even in some um, communities where I don't show up all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's a little narrative, a little voice in my head going, yeah, but you really should because somebody is going to say, where did you go? Mm -hmm. And then I Mm -hmm. think, yeah, that might've been a fleeting moment. Mm -hmm. Like I made a decision not to go. I'm not going to worry about any conversations about me because they're actually none of my business and people are probably not judging me to the degree I'm judging myself. That's right. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. just like staying with, like you said, the reason you made the decision in the first place. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you a little bit more about how you did make this change. Like how did you stop doing what you were doing and make the change? And were you nervous about stopping your practice and becoming a business coach. Was that like scary? Were you, were you sure? Where were you with all of that? I'm curious. Scared as hell, totally scared. And I didn't know, I really knew how to build a therapy practice, but I didn't know how to build this business. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of worked out because what I was moving into was helping therapists build their private practices. But at the same time, I was on my own learning curve of learning how to create a thriving online business, to create a coaching business. And I did it gradually. So if I were to time travel and talk to the Annie of that time, I would actually make the transition faster. Mm. So that's kind of nice for me because I do get to, if I spot a client who is moving at a slower pace than they need to, I can just open up that possibility for them. Yeah. So I went real slow, partly because I was the breadwinner. And so I wanted to see my income really stay Mm -hmm. steady or grow throughout the process. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that I held myself back from growing as fast as I could have because of that. So I, I really took it step by step and I finally got things to a place a few years ago where I was only running my therapy practice one morning a week and the rest of my time was in business coaching. 
And then from there, I kind of thought I would just stick with that forever because I did love my clients and everything about my therapy practice was working well. Mm -hmm. And then that final transition, I kind of had to have a chat with myself and look at, you know, what is the opportunity cost here in keeping that, keeping my license, keeping that one morning a week, even though the work was incredibly meaningful, that wasn't simplicity. Like running two businesses wasn't simplicity. And I was finally able to see, you know, I, I need to let this go, even though there's nothing wrong with it. I need to let this go and take that final step. So yeah, one year ago, I, um, I finally just a little over a year ago, I finally closed my private practice completely. And of course there was heartbreak in saying goodbye to those clients. Cause by that point I was really only working with folks who I'd been with for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there was some sweetness to the simplicity that that made possible. Mm-hmm. There was one moment that it became clear to me that I really needed to close my therapy practice completely. And that was when I was planning a trip to Italy, I was going to be in Italy for a couple of months with my youngest son. And then the rest of the family was going to visit us for a couple of weeks there. And as I visualized myself in Italy, I realized that I needed to be done with my therapy practice at that point. So a year in advance of that, I gave notice to my clients and we you know, worked toward that end date. And clearly I did not go to Italy in 2020. That, um, that was not the year for that. Uh, and we're actually going to be doing that one year from now. So in the summer of 2022, but something about planning that trip and visualizing, visualizing myself in the future made it clear that I wanted things to be simplified even further, that I wanted to only have one business and to be able to really let go at that point. Well, that, that's a great realization. And I, I have been in a situation and watched other friends, entrepreneurs, kind of like, I always say it to having two feet on two different islands, right? One, yeah. one foot on one island and one on the other. And in fact, I have a good friend who's a therapist and mm-hmm. she was trying to pivot. This was like five or six years ago. And everybody was saying to her, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of one to do the other. You cannot do both. And it was very similar. So it's interesting that you said all of that. And funny about Italy, last summer, I was supposed to take my daughter who graduated from high school to Italy. Really? (laughs) We just went to Costa Rica a couple of weeks Uh, ago instead. That was the replacement trip because we thought we don't know when we can go to Italy. But um, that'll be a fun trip for you, I'm sure, when you do get to go. So Annie, I'd love to know about, you know, greater clarity, what's happened since you have made this pivot and you've cut your hours back to 20 hours a week. What's, what's that been like for you? It's been amazing. So, you know, I was talking earlier about simplicity and in having things down to 20 hours a week. What I'm really appreciating is getting to run the same two programs several times rather than that being boring, which is kind of a fear that I hear from people. Like if I do the same thing over and over again, it's going to be so boring. It gets better and better 
So I get to, every time I'm working with a new group of people and they bring their unique personalities and their unique struggles to it, I also get to reiterate and I get to look at, okay, what can I learn from this group of people that I can bring into this program next time? And I'm just finding that in, in reiterating and in running the same program, I'm also spending so little time on, I don't think we even realize sometimes how much backend admin and, you know, strategy we're doing when we run several programs. So I am, I'm really finding myself more than ever getting to step into my zone of genius. And by saying that, I'm not, I'm not calling myself a genius. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with Gay Hendricks' work around um, around zone of genius, and I know you had someone on talking about that not long ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I just love I love that concept and thinking mm. about what am I doing when I am really doing that work that I'm meant to do, that I'm uniquely suited to do, and where I don't really notice time going by, and so I'm finding that more than ever I'm getting to set up my work life to be in that zone. Hmm. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And I appreciate you sharing your story. And I think that big, you know, that scary big move, um, I think it's powerful. And I think Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of courage to do something like that too. And I get it that there are some people that just can't quite get the nerve to make that kind of pivot. But I also think there are a lot of opportunities if we can get the support we need, especially to take that big step into something brand new, because it could be the difference in satisfaction and happiness and clarity and abundance and joy, or just, you know, settling. And I don't want to shame anybody or say settling is wrong, but the possibility is what I'm always interested in. What could be possible if I did make that huge change that I see myself doing? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's not a coincidence at all that now the people who I work with are taking a first step, many of them into work beyond private practice. And I agree with you so much. There is zero shame in having perhaps settled for something that maybe it worked before and it doesn't even work anymore. There's zero shame in that. And I like to think of it as running an experiment, like what could if someone has a business that isn't working for them, what kind of experiment could they run to try doing things a different way, try launching a new program that might work for them better. And instead of thinking of it as like, is this going to succeed or is it going to fail? Really just looking at it as a first experiment that they're then going to take the results of and make the next move. Mm, I like that a lot. That feels less threatening. Yeah. I, I think there's something, you know, in even what we know about the brain, the idea of making large announcements uh, freaks us out, basically it freaks our brain mm-hmm. out. And we, we don't do well with that. So I often talk with my clients about, hey, you know, don't make an announcement, just kind of slide it in there like, hmm, I think I'm going to try this today. Not with a, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it forever. Like even meditation or exercise, right? 
I'm just going to do mm -hmm. it today. No big announcement. <laughs> so I like the idea of, oh, it's just an experiment. That doesn't seem as risky as I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do something different. No, I'm just going to check it out see what happens, right? Take one step. Yeah, that's that's exactly how exercise was for me. That um, sometime in my mid forties, I recommitted to putting some movement into my day every day, and I just committed to an experiment of ten minutes a day, and that nice. was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's doable. Nice. Yeah, those little incremental changes without freaking ourselves out. Just yeah, I love that. I do it for myself a lot too. I'll just be like, hmm, what if I just did this today? And then the next morning I'm like, well maybe I'll do it again today. And before long I've made a, a shift and it's way simpler. And in business it's the same thing, right? Just try one little thing. So Annie, I know we need to wrap things up, but um tell me how you work with people and where do people find you? Thank you. Yeah, I know I keep talking about these these really these just two programs that I run. And one of them is my, my core program is called create your program. Uh -huh. And it is exactly that. So this is where over five weeks, I work with a small group of people and they take an idea or even a bunch of ideas, they narrow them down and they create a pilot program and launch it within the five weeks that we're together. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun. And then the other program that I run is a mastermind. And that is for folks who have usually been through my first program and now they want that ongoing support mm. to work with some other really badass entrepreneurs and you know take things to the next level. And yeah. so all of that and and my podcast is over at rebeltherapist.me. Okay, great. And I, we haven't talked about it, but I have a mastermind for music studio owners that's been going for six years and I've had Ooh, other masterminds and I'm telling you masterminds are just, they're just the best. <laughs> they're the bomb. I, 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 I agree. I couldn't, there's nothing I enjoy more than masterminding with really sharp people. Um, so anyway, if you're interested, go look at Annie's information, check her out, check out her group program, check out the mastermind that comes after that. If you can be in a mastermind, you should be. <laughs> How's that? I so agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. There's magic. Absolutely. There's just magic in masterminds when they're done well, when they're facilitated well, and when you've got a group of like-minded people together, there's, there's power there that just doesn't happen anywhere else in my experience. Well, Annie, I've really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you today. You know, the whole thing comes down to liberation and freedom in our life, right? Making these choices that empower us and enable us to have exactly what we want. And they're not easy, but when you have the support you need to make those pivots, they can just be game changers. Absolutely. I have had so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much. For you're, this. you're welcome, Annie. Well, it was great to have you here today. Thanks for being on The Liberated Life. And for all of those of you listening, thanks for being here. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.